Have you always dreamed of creating your own beauty products or building your own beauty brand? Welcome to Beauty Business School, the podcast devoted to empowering beauty entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Doreen Block. Join me as we talk with industry insiders, beauty founders, and more to provide you with knowledge and resources for launching your own beauty brand. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much to Rosemary Swift for joining me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. Rosemary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I want to start really broad. Tell us about how your entrepreneurial journey started. Um, well, for one thing, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I never even <laughs> thought of myself as a makeup artist. I was just a little chicky poo trying to do my thing in the world. And, uh, and somehow I just ended up falling into doing makeup. It was kind of just put in front of me by my sister who was an esthetician and she was, um, you know, uh, she knew a guy with a whole bunch of hotels. And you have to remember, this is back in the 70s. So, you know, the hotels had dancers, I guess you could say more burlesque. Or if you mm. want to be, you know, down and dirty, you can say strippers. <laughs> but in those days, <laughs> in those days, it wasn't quite like that. They actually did shows and they danced and it was actually quite amazing. And so I just started doing, going around to the, to the uh, various clubs there and painting the girls. And it was a lot of fun. And then I got a, um, and the girls would say, oh, what are we going to use for the colors? You know, where'd you get that? And there was a, a label-free company in Vancouver, Canada, where I'm from. And I bought it, you know, I would buy one, a little like an eyeshadow for like 80 cents or something. And I'd sell it to the girls for mm-hmm. 4 or $5. So I, I just mm-hmm. started kind of doing it really at a young age. And I was always kind of working and I never really sat still. And um, mm-hmm. before I knew it, I was asked to do a, a cover of the Vancouver magazine, and it was a famous model from Sweden at the time. And from there, I just kept getting makeup jobs. I, you know, I had no, I had no idea that Amazing. I was even good. I was just doing my thing. It fell into One my hands. One leading sure. to another. Yes. Exactly. And it sounds like you have all of the parts of a great entrepreneur in terms of, you know, the business sense and just following one lead to another. So that's how you got started. But then what was the um, genesis of creating your own brand? Well, you know, it's funny because I I became a raw foodist for a long time after I found out about, you know, I I got sick and I found out there was a lot of chemicals in my system. And some of it was from the beauty industry. And so I became a raw foodist for quite a long time. And that was the, 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 the industry actually that catapulted me into my knowledge on what was in food what was in, you know, how these foods were processed, how they were harvested, and even, you know, whether they were sprayed with pesticides, insecticides, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I carried that over into doing, you know, being a makeup artist with the models. And instead of using, you know, baby oil to make a Victoria's Secret model shiny, I would use jojoba oil. You know, I would also bring all my healthy food every day to, to, to work for the girls. And it, as soon as they saw that I was on a job, they'd call me and go, oh, my God, are you going to bring your salads? Can you get a raw juice for us, too? And so I ended up becoming my own little, like, raw food caterer business to the girls. Wow. And, um, and it just kept going from there. And, and you know, I got known for, for being very wise on what was in food. And from there, it went to what was in cosmetics. And I did a website mm-hmm. called beautytruth.com kind of exposing the myths and the, uh, you know, and the nonsense in the industry. And I got a lot of press 
and from that press, I, I, you know, people were saying, well, what should we use? And so I realized, man, oh man, all this stuff that I know, I'm going to just take all that knowledge and put it into a brand myself of, of the way I want to do it or the way I think it should be done. Hence, we got RMS Beauty. Brilliant. Brilliant. So when it came to um, actually starting the brand itself, and I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but I want to hear the details about what you did, you know, to put one foot in front of the other to actually create your own product line. Well, actually, that's a good question because I just started basically using really minimal oils on the girls. And then I wanted like color. I wanted to add color into it. And so I started, you know, just mixing things up. But I had a friend in Canada because I'm originally from Canada, but I was working in New York and I would go to Canada to hang out with this friend who worked for a paint factory. She was a chemist. And I said, look, I've got this idea. I said, this is kind of the idea and where I wanted to go. These are the ingredients that I wanted to use. And basically they were coming from skincare because mm -hmm. I originally wanted to do a skincare brand. But mm -hmm. the market is so saturated in skincare. It's like, oh, my God, everything's been done. That it's just like crazy. And so I decided, what do I do the best? I'm a makeup artist. I work with color. So mm -hmm. I just started working with, um, you know, adding color into this idea of the skincare. And because she was a chemist, she could actually put the formula together properly that, so that when I did go to a lab eventually, I had something to go with. I had a starting formula mm -hmm. to say, look, where I'm going with this. And... Um, Again, like I said, it came mostly from the raw food industry. So, you know, even the coconut oil I was using had to be the best coconut oil, not all this crap that you're getting from the mm. industry where it's fractionated and hydrogenated. And, you know, they just mm. kill the hell out of food nowadays. You know, and, and my thing right. is if you put makeup on your skin, you're also, you know, putting food in your mouth. It's the same thing. You know, it does it, you know, not all of it absorbs. Right. But, you know, a lot of it absorbs. So, you know, you have to be careful. And, and you know, doing a little bit of just playing around, a little bit of lip color, a little bit of eyeshadow, a little bit of color for the body. Um, I just started making, you know, I had a few uh, products that I ended up making. You know, one was the, uh, one was actually as simple as a little lip and skin balm. And then I did the lip to cheeks and I did a few eyeshadows and I threw in a luminizer, which I'm notoriously famous for. Mm -hmm. And then my um, uh, uncover ups. So there, I think there was like 12 or 16 products at the very beginning, and it took a long time to get going because what happens is packaging becomes a huge issue. Hmm. And um, Tell me more. Well, <laughs> you know, they're always pushing the plastic agenda. It's actually really sickening. And I kept saying to the, the, the packaging companies, if you guys send me plastic one more time, I'm going to freak out on you. And I would actually mail it all back. And I say, I do wow. not want plastic. I do not want a beautiful, healthy product sitting in plastic. It defeats its whole purpose. And um, I finally found an old mold, actually, from the olden days. And uh, I ended up meeting a, a – I sent it into a, a glass company, and they said, we know that mold. That's really old. <laughs> and it was a janitor that recognized it. And he actually found the mold. It took three months. But he found it in the big, huge warehouse. Wow. And uh, that's how I kind of came out with that little puck. That was, it was already done in the industry, but it just wasn't used anymore. Now everybody's using it. So I've actually had to redesign it because Everyone. I don't want to have. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't want to have the same. Yeah. I can't tell the difference anymore now with what's mine and what isn't mine, you know, unless mm -hmm. I put my nose into it or my fingers. But um, visually, I can't tell the difference. So I had to redesign the, the, uh, the, the actual container. But my first order was I found a label-free, not a label-free, I'm sorry, a big 
um, a warehouse. And what they do is they sell cosmetic uh, packaging that's not used by the companies anymore. And I found oh, these yeah. little glass jars. Now, what's really interesting, this is actually a good story. I ordered it because they were five cents each, which is unheard of cheap. And yes, I said to them, glass. wow. Yeah. And I said, well, how many are there? And they said, 120,000. And I'm like, oh my God, 120,000. I thought, okay. So I bought them and wow. five cents a piece. And then they said to me, where do you want me to send it? Now, I didn't have a lab at the time. And I thought, well, I, I, like, I thought, okay, I bought that. It's, you know, I'm going to have it sent to my apartment in New York. And I said, well, um, I don't know. Um, and they go, would you have a lab? I said, no, not yet. And they go, you've never done this before, have you? And I said, no. <laughs> and, I said, and they said, well, usually, you know, we're going to help you. We're going to help ship it to you. And I said, well, how much does it weigh? And you know what they said? 12,000 pounds. Oh, my gosh. I almost died. I almost died. I'm thinking, I can't put 12,000 pounds of glass in my apartment. My floor will fall through up no. on the eighth floor. <laughs> and no, so no, they no, kept no. it for me. Like that. <laughs> it's really funny because they kept it for me for quite a few months, actually, because I think they felt sorry for me. They didn't charge me storage or anything. <laughs> they were really cool about it. And um, and so I finally did find a lab, which took forever because nobody wants to deal with organic. Nobody wants to deal with the kind of ingredients I want to use. It's time-consuming. It's expensive. And they'd rather do, do, you know, a quick, fast, hot pour or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. so I did finally find a lab, and we just had it shipped down to the lab. <laughs> amazing, amazing. You are such a pioneer, I have to say. And by the way, what time frame are we talking here in terms of um, when you started all this process? Oh my God, that would have been about 13 years ago because it was. I started doing this oh, wow. before the product even came out. It took forever to get done. That is amazing. I mean, you're really a clean beauty pioneer. The ingredients are such an important part of the story. But then also, and unexpected to me in terms of this conversation, was the is the plastic detox and the oh, eco friendliness. Yeah. Oh man, they just so, kept pushing the plastic agenda. Nobody wanted to deal with glass, yeah. and it was really really hard. You know, and then I also found out even more to this is is I found out now that, you know, they wanted to spray it. So I I wanted them to be frosty. And I I said, well, what's in the spray? And they go, well, it's just a cosmetic spray they put on glass. And I said, well, send me the ingredients in that spray. I Uh almost died when I looked and read at the chemicals that were in that formula for the spray. I go, are you guys kidding me? Somebody's going to hold that in their hand and then put the product on their face. Are you kidding me? So I got mine acid etched. Now I just found out that all those sprayed bottles are not even recyclable because it's all sprayed with heavy metals and chemicals. And and they, they, they don't really recycle that. So even that is BS in the industry, like, oh, everything's recyclable. So much is not recyclable. Mm-hmm. And what's really sad, here I go, what's really sad is all these people online come after the brands. Us brands, mm-hmm. the little guys, can't do anything to make these mm-hmm. huge packaging corporations change the way they're doing things. They're going That's after fair. the wrong people. And right. um, 
you know, and, when, and then when you speak up, it just causes one problem with another. So I don't even I don't even say anything anymore because there's so much more to the story on cosmetics. There's so much more to the story on ingredients. There's so much more to the story on packaging that it's just endless. And the more I find out, the more depressed I'm getting. <laughs> no, the whole supply chain needs to continue being cleaned up. And I believe it will. I mean, consumers want cleaner products. And yes. that's from soup to nuts in terms of the products that they're holding in their hands all the way to how it was created. And so you had mentioned that you were learning about ingredients from your journey with food and nutrition. And what, how else did you learn about ingredients? Was it through your friend, the chemist? Was, were there websites you were going to? I mean, how do you advise other entrepreneurs to be looking up what ingredients they're considering using? Well, the thing is with me, I was always like a mad scientist. You know, a lot of it I studied just from the whole raw food industry because a lot of these guys that were involved in raw food, um, you know, some of them were doctors. So I would call them up and talk to them about how things are grown, how oils are handled, which ones are good for the skin, which ones aren't. But I also slowly started becoming friends with the chemists in various uh, raw material suppliers that they were Mm. really, um, um, you know, uh, like pigment companies you know, where they do all the, uh, you know, the pigment color stuff, I would become friends. And, and the thing is, what happened is I would ask such advanced questions that the customer mm-hmm. service didn't know what to do with me. And they would put me through <laughs> to the chemist. And the chemists were all thinking, oh, wow, who's this like chicky poo really interested in the micron size of minerals, you know? <laughs> and so I ended up getting a lot of friendships amongst all these people. And still to this day, I'll call up these big scientists with these companies and these labs and still ask questions. And um, it's amazing how much information I have that I cannot tell the industry because I don't want to get these guys in trouble. But believe me, a lot of these guys are supporting what I'm doing quite intensely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you had such a high bar when it came to choosing which lab to work with. How did you finally find the lab? Are you still, may I ask, are you still with them today or have your parameters changed and you use different labs today? Love to hear how you went through that process of deciding who to partner with. Well, I couldn't get a lab, period. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to do it, and nobody wanted – you know what's really funny? Too nobody hard. wanted to use my formulas. They all wanted to wow. work with what they do. They're, they're chemists. They're, so, they're coming from an education of chemistry 101. None of them are microbiologists or, or physical chemists. You know, they're all just basically chemistry 101, and they're looking up some formula in a book that's, you know, standard for the industry, and they're all copying stuff from there. So they didn't want me using my own formulas. So that was a hindrance hmm. right from the beginning. I did finally find a lab, and uh, actually the girl that's running my company was, was actually running that lab, basically. She was, like, you know, one oh, of the head wow. people there. Okay. And um, it's funny. I'm talking to her on the phone in the first conversation. I said, you're going to be working for me one day. And she just <laughs> laughed, and here she is working for me, running my company. <laughs> the first lab that she was at and that I had taken my stuff to that would do it actually got closed down by the EPA. The guy was caught money laundering. So that's a oh, story wow. itself. So, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I got so many stories about this industry. But, yeah, he got caught money laundering. What he was doing is taking on brands and, and you know, pretending he was getting it done. He'd take the money and he, 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 he bailed out on everybody. Horrible. So, uh, luckily, my, my stuff was taken out of there quickly mm-hmm. by that girl in order to, before the EPA closed the lab down. And then we frantically had to find another lab, which uh, we had gone through one that was a disaster. Um, and then we finally found one that we're still with to this day, who we are very happy with. And he, he gets the whole, 
you know, organic green thing or movement or whatever, clean, green, natural, organic, whatever you want to call it or label it. So, yeah, we're pretty happy. We've got quite a few labs now that, that, um, that, that, that we are working with that we're happy with. That is an incredible uh, way to, you know, take the company to the next stage with all of that. I'm sure it must have been so stressful. How did you personally? Oh, honey, honey, you don't, you don't realize it's something stressful that happened even after that. Because once all that stuff was moved out, the girl from the lab ended up, I didn't know what to do. And, I, and she said, well, I don't have a job either. Why don't I just start selling your products out of my house? So oh she started God. selling out of her house. And I remember the first month we made $3,000. We were so happy. And then a few, a little while later, she's phoning me frantically. The house burned down with my, with my stuff in it. Oh my gosh. Rosemary, you are. It was one thing after the other. This is why when I talk to these kids, you know, I just get scared. And and, and I was talking there and talking to them and, and telling them stories and, I said, if you think this is easy, you're in for one <laughs> hell of a ride. <laughs> it isn't easy. That's true. And um, what keeps you going? I mean, obviously the products speak for themselves because they're, because they're exceptional, but is that the main driver or what else motivates you? Um, God, what is my motivation? You know, I, I don't know. That's a hard one to answer. Mm. I have to admit I am motivated right now. I've, in the last few years, I've changed my, what I thought was my motiv- motivation of really like, you know, just making the makeup. But now my motivation is to see what's happening in this industry. I'm very intrigued mm. with what's going on. And it's actually motivating me a lot to be um, very different and very unique in what I'm doing and the way I handle my end of the business. And we are going a different route than from what a lot of people are doing, you know, as your traditional get your investor and get told what to do and then all of a sudden lose your brand. And then it's sold in two years. So I don't want to go that route. And um, it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but I am kind of motivated by the turn that's happening in the industry. And I'm really curious to see what the outcome of this is all going to be. Mm -hmm. It's it's like like an espionage movie almost or something. I don't know. Right, right. And I think to me, what's been very interesting, given that I have a business, granted, we don't make products, but uh, physical products, but we kind of deal tangentially in the beauty industry with the consumer insights piece. And we've taken some venture money, uh, venture capital money, is that fundraising piece and how there is this influx of venture capital dollars right now into beauty, primarily from men who often are not using beauty products. What is your take on that? How do you think it will impact things? Um, that's a that's that's actually a good good question. Um, a lot of it's just motivated by or motivated by money. Yeah, it's a there's a big markup on cosmetics, and it's an it's they're easy, they're small, they're easy to produce. Well, in some cases, uh, and so it's very desirable right now. You know, with all that stuff that's going on on Instagram with all the influencers with their, their makeup and hair. So that has mm-hmm. become almost so desirable for the industry. It's almost like a quick, fast buck. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's, there's almost this, this, this feeding frenzy right now in the, on the beauty industry. And it's quite interesting to watch. It is. It is. So I want to ask you what aspect of the product development process do you like the most? And I expect, although correct me if I'm wrong, but I expect that you are involved at every step of the way, given how passionate you are about the products that you're debuting. But what's your favorite? Um, 
Yes, I'm a total bitch the whole way. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, I, I do get. I do get involved. Um, my mm-hmm. thing is, my involvement that really kind of I have to say turns me on is the actual formula. Okay. Um, I'm very very fussy with them, and yes, you know some of my formulas are unusual. I.e., my uh, eyeshadows. Yes, they crease. They are not guaranteed crease proof. But what is, is interesting about them is they photograph like a house on fire because they, nothing mm-hmm. photographs like those are beautiful. And uh, coming mm-hmm. from photography, I am motivated usually by how a, a product looks through the monitor on the, on the model's skin. So mm-hmm. my way of having created my formulas is, is different than most people because most labs are basically, they're all doing the same thing. It's a rehash of all mm-hmm. the same stuff. And I saw having worked so long in the industry and having, you know, a model face be blown up the size of a, a doorway right. on, on the monitor. You see what makeup is doing underneath the eyes. You see how it's sitting on the skin. You see how powder is sitting on dry bits of, of, of skin or a hair. And I, really, I, I just started picking out what was wrong with products and mm-hmm. why this was happening. And nobody would ever know unless they look out under, you know, you have to look at, basically it's like looking under a microscope. And so my technique for doing my products is not having all the fillers in to just, you know, make the product look bigger and better and snappier, whatever you want to call it. So I go for how it looks on the skin close up. And I, have, I definitely have wow. a skin fetish, so it's all about how the skin looks. And you can do all the heavy, I always say to people, look, you can, you know, just because my stuff's natural doesn't mean you can't do a heavy brow with it or, you know, big lips all drawn in and lined. But as long as your skin looks beautiful, your skin has to look gorgeous in order for you to really put across a beautiful makeup job. That's, that's my philosophy. When you got your, make, your, you know, your skin covered in all this foundation that's thick as a pancake, you, you know, that is not beautiful. It's not sexy and it's not sensual. So, um, Skin is where it's at, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so how many iterations do you usually do of a product? For example, that the first set of products that you launched, you mentioned that it took a really long time. How long does it take now? Is it still a really long time, or are there places where you kind of optimize? It, it all, it's really about the product. I have products I started, like, years ago, and we're still playing around with it, and I just get really oh, wow. angry. And I put it aside, and then I come back to it, or we hand it to another lab to try and tackle. Um, or, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I, I seem to be very good at, at intuitively kind of feeling what something might need or not need. And I will talk to the chemists and get their opinion on what I'm saying. Sometimes there's an argument. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it works fantastic. But we are working on, a, you know, an SPF uh, foundation. But... It's been taking a long time because I want it good. I don't want to just bang out something for the sake of making money off of it. And then I have other mm-hmm. products where I just, you know, completely just dumped them. I said, forget it. Well, originally, you hear the story going back to when I first did my original luminizer. I did five mm-hmm. other colors. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of them looked good except for the real simple luminizer that we did, which is the living luminizer. The other ones were just, they didn't have the right refinement. They didn't have the right um, sophistication in the pigment quality. And uh, so I dumped them. And then a few years ago when I, was, uh, when I was moving, I found all those old ones, those attempted, you know, luminizers. Oh. And I sent them back to the lab and I said, look, let's redo this again. It's been, what, six years now? I want to redo this. Here's what I want. Da, 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 da. And they sent it to me two weeks later, all five of them. 
And I phoned them up. I said, okay, we got to talk. And they were a little nervous thinking I was going to freak out. And I said, uh, do you have a new chemist? And they said, yes. And I said, is she a woman? I said to them, I said, really? I said, is she a woman? And they said, yes. And I said, I knew it. The refinement yeah. of them was so perfect. They were, each wow. one of them was approved that day that I saw it. And I said, I want these wow. mixed up. ASAP, I had them put in that little quad pack, the X-Quad, uh-huh. and uh, all of them came out in that. And I think that little X-Quad is actually, you know, one of my favorite products because those luminizers are just fantastic. And I did those, Beautiful. like, literally years and years and years ago. They were almost so too ahead the of their time in a way. new. Yes. Yes, that's a great point, too, because I think yeah. luminizers, highlighters, those are having a huge moment right now. And so to um, take that old inspiration and revisit it when maybe the technology is newer or the chemist is new. What a brilliant insight to bring that product to market. Yeah, that, really was, that was probably one of the first things I ever did. And then another thing too is listening to your staff. You know, I'm a makeup mm-hmm. artist. So I'm coming from working with all these models for years and years. I don't look at makeup as a consumer does. And they would point out things like, Rosemary, you know, let's put this in a little compact with some other colors. And I'm like, ew, what makeup artist does that? <laughs> and, you know, I said, okay, guys, put something together and I'll approve the colors. And I, I want to be fair to them, too. And, uh, <laughs> and it's one of our biggest sellers, too, our little signature sets. That was done by my girls. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't oh, want to completely say, well, you don't know because you're not a makeup artist. No, you do know. You're a consumer. You're looking at things differently than what I would look at. And I respected their opinion on it. And, and, you know, I'm glad I did. Takes the team, takes the village. It, yeah, it does. It's so true. And, and actually, what a perfect segue, because I was going to ask you, has your view on, you, well, when you launched, did you have a target market in sight or a target consumer? And has that shifted over time? You know what? It's so funny you said that, because I was just reading an article from one of those big industry article things. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, you know, go know your market, know your consumer, you know, know how much right. this is, you know. And I'm like, and I read it and really quickly just before I called you and I thought, that's bullshit. Because it's like you're tapping off all the little tick marks of what you need to do to do it properly. Throw that out the window. Mm-hmm. You put out a product that you're vibing from your heart and your soul. Go with your gut instincts. Stop ticking off the boxes because these people are saying that's mm-hmm. how you're supposed to do it. If I would have done that... I would not have a product today. Everybody told me what I'm doing. I was an idiot. And, you know, somebody even said, who effing is going to buy organic makeup? Oh, my God, there's a big, huge jet going over. That's for the drama of my little passionate outburst. I love it. No, I love it. You're on a roll. But it's just like, stop it. Stop it. Stop listening to what everybody's telling you need to do to fit into the mold of putting out something. Go with your gut, man, and do what it is you want. Don't listen to anybody. Or you know what? You're going to have a generic product like all the other crap that's coming out being banged off right now in the industry, whether it's clothes, shoes, bags, whatever. Everything's just being crazy. Just do what you want to do, and that's what's going to give you success. And make sure you know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And who cares if an Instagrammer likes it or doesn't or influencer? Who cares? Do what you want to do, and that's what's going to make you big. If it's a, if it's a good idea and you're on a roll and doing something different, that's what you got to do. I love it. I feel so lucky to hear that advice directly from you. It's it's everything. You have to love the product. Oh, and, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and is that? Do you feel like that the story, your passion, is that what keeps the customers engaged over time? 
something else. I mean, I'd love to hear also more about the team that you've assembled behind the brand at this stage, because I know it is bigger than you only too. So would love to hear more about that, the team, and then how you keep the customer engaged. Well, the thing is with the customer, the customer has to trust you. If you're just a pretty face putting out a product, I don't know how much trust you're really going to gain on an actual product, mostly if you're going into the green realm. I think there has yeah. to be a big trust uh, 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 moment with a product to the consumer. Um, if they're if they're just a pretty product, yeah, you 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 can be a fashion fashion the pan product, you know, that's gone in a year or two. You gotta have you have gotta reach the emotional. Um, uh, you have to stir the emotions of the public, whether that's you know w- with an ingredient or with a, a product that's really unusual. You gotta somehow capture them to have them listen. And your team, your team that you're working with, I always like to say. You know, you need disciples. You don't need employees. Employees are a dime a dozen. They come and they go. Mm-hmm. Half of them don't give a shit. No offense mm-hmm. that I'm swearing, mm-hmm. but I'm known for no, my No, it's office. great. This is real. It's like whatever. <laughs> You've got to have disciples. And, and what, what I mean by disciples, not people thinking that I'm God. I don't mean that at all. I mean disciples are the ones that are walking the walk. They're talking the talk with you. They're there mm-hmm. behind everything you're doing, and they're feeling it. They're living by it also. You know, and somebody mm-hmm. asked me, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, disciple someone that's going to go have a green juice with you, not laugh at you because you're drinking a green juice and go, eh. So right. something as simple as that. But um, you've got to have your, your staff also behind what you're doing and, 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 and be into it. You know, because if your staff isn't there, it, 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 it flows through. The energy does flow through in a way that, yeah. that it's not, there's no connection. So you've got to make sure yeah. that you're connecting with your staff. The energy has to be right. And, and that just exudes through the products then that you debut as well. And really everything you do, not just the products, but how you talk with the consumer, uh, the way that you message things, the way that you display in retail, I imagine, too. Yeah, definitely in retail, too, makes a big impact because you've got to make sure that, you know, your, your display is nice that you're, you know, captivating them some way or form by, you know, by uh, doing something different. And I felt that I was really different, too, because I had the little glass pots that I put upside down so you could see the color. So the consumer would come into the store and they'd see everything else in the same little, like, you know, little jars, not jars, but little containers, very generic. And then all of a sudden you see this big colorful POP display, and it's got these little glass pots that are upside down. So it got mm-hmm. a lot of attention, and what else I did that I thought was smart is I didn't, I didn't have it re- screaming green, you know, because mm-hmm. the green people, we find each other. What we need mm-hmm. to do is scream something that's not saying, hey, I'm green, and lose the audience. It's screaming, right. hey, I'm a colorful, modern-looking brand here, come look. And people would buy it because it looked cool, and, it, you know, they liked the texture of the product, they liked the color, and they liked how it felt. And, and they would buy it, and, and a lot of them didn't even know it was an actual green or clean product at the beginning. And I liked that because I didn't lose my audience. Mm-hmm. That's so brilliant. And then they find out after, and they're like, oh, this is good for me, too. Yeah, okay. exactly. Keep buying. So, you know, you have to think, you know, out of, the, out of the box and not just do what everybody's doing. Again, this is what I'm saying about, you know, when you're doing a brand. Don't just copy what everybody's doing. It's like, it's like when you copy, you think that that means that that, the, that is the official yes for how it should be done. And that's a problem right there. Mm-hmm. Because if you come up with stuff and it looks like everybody else's, you're not going to make it. You've got to do something that captures the, the, the sentimentality or the, 
or the, the, the emotions, like I said, of the public. So you got to do something a little bit different. So I have to ask, do you have any mentors? And if so, what have you learned from them? Mentors. Oh, people ask me that a lot. I don't really have any mentors. I just kind of like do my thing. You are the mentor. That's why. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> people always say like, this, who do you admire and all that? And I go, God, I never really stop to think. I don't know. I don't think yeah. I admire so many people in the human form. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know what I mean? I love the honesty. Yeah. You know, I think that there's there's higher energy up there that that I think people need to listen to and 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 to be motivated by rather than somebody in a in a in a human form. I, I know that sounds very mm-hmm. bizarre. People are going to think I'm crazy, but hey, that's where I'm coming no. from. You know. I love that. And um, so, rapid fire: which RMS product are you most proud of? You mentioned the quads. Is it the quad? Oh, the quad. Yeah, just because I did it so long ago, and it was like like I'd love to write on that. I did this you know, eight, nine years ago, <laughs> but you know, you don't want to do that. Um, uh, <laughs> um, one of my products is also my beauty oil. I mm-hmm. love that product and it's so good for the skin and mostly for people with sensitive skin and, you know, anybody with, you know, really like irritation, like rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, it works amazing. I hate to say oh, wow. it really does. Um, I also, of course, I love my luminizer. Um, I'm really proud of my cover-ups too, because I think that you know, they cover and they don't dry out the skin. And, uh, you know, they're just done differently than the traditional um, uh, concealers and foundations that are out there. So, I don't know. You know, there's, you know, there's, I, there's, you know, uh, be a product more is sometimes, oh, the color I really like, or I like that product better than that product, or this I still think can use a little bit of work. Because it's hard doing products Here's one of the biggest problems. It's hard doing a product, let's say an eyeliner or mascara. You cannot do a mascara or an eyeliner with all green products. That means, you know, your oil seeds, nuts, butters, herbs. You can't make a mascara stay on. And people get mad that the mascara is falling off or the eyeliner is not staying on for eight hours. So those kind of right. ingredients, we've got to add some kind of chemicals in there. And, again, you guys, I'm not saying all chemicals are bad. We have chemicals right. in those products, and they're least of the evils. When I say, you know, that chemicals are bad, I'm talking about ones that have been banned everywhere in the world except for in America, and believe me, there's quite mm-hmm. a list. And mm-hmm. we still continue to use it in America. But, you know, we do need, you know, if I want to continue growing my brand and having it be effective, I've got to add some chemicals in. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I will be yelled at, but, you know, people need to realize, guys, you can't do it all with oils and you know, minerals and butters. You know, right. Simplest. And so would you say that the mascara, the eyeliner, are those the most challenging to develop generally, or are there other products that you feel are more challenging to develop? Uh, everything has a varying degree of challenges because sometimes you have challenges with oils or the color of the oil, so it changes the color of the product mm. because some harvesting times of year will be different and so the product will be much more yellow than it would be normally. Um, there's so many things going on. That's why a lot of uh, labs don't want to do organic because it's definitely finicky and it's more time consuming. Um, mm. But there are, you know, what can I say? You know, people that want an eyeshadow to last, you know, all day long, we all have different levels of moisture in our eyelid. And uh, even powdered eyeshadows on some people that have a really oily lid are going to crease up. It's simple as that. And I don't want to get mm. into the heavy duty chemicals that would make that stay on. I have an eye, right. eye product, actually, that is phenomenal. 
but it's got one nasty ingredient in it, and I just can't get by adding that product into my product because I just feel guilty. Yeah. But boy, yeah. does it stay on the eye. But I just, I just can't get the. <laughs> I just can't get the, the past the ingredients, so needless to say, it's not going to come out. And I'm really well, bummed about it. <laughs> Maybe there will be some new technology in the future or some new discovery where it'll make it all work. And then you'll pull this out of the archive and say, okay, here's this new product that we can debut now. Seems That's like there's exactly some... what I'm hoping for. You know, yeah. I've got, it's funny because the labs are really, this is, a, this is actually really strange. So I kept saying, guys, we can't use this product or this ingredient. And they'll send other ingredients on. They'll have warnings on it, like poison warnings on these products. Oh. And we're putting this stuff on our skin near our eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? There's a poison warning on here. We're still using it. This excuse of like, well, it's only a little bit. It's like, yeah, but we're getting only a little bit in our air, our food, our water. We're getting and only a little day. bit everywhere. And the body is not being able to handle it anymore. Right. <laughs> Right. Oh my God. Uh, Here I go. (laughs) Cheers to that. My mom and my baby both have autoimmune issues and thankfully they're okay, but I'm very sensitive to these things as well, that it's like even a little bit is not okay if if you can avoid it too. Yeah. When do you draw the line of that little bit being over the the top, when that little bit is going to just be that defining, like what is it, the the needle in the haystack kind of thing or the, no, what is it that one about the... You know, the, 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 anyway, there's a saying, I forget I what know, it is now, but you never know when that little bit, just okay, that was that little point. thing that put over the edge. Right, that tipping point of you were okay, and then all of a sudden one extra line of eyeliner and suddenly you're not. So, yeah, oh, well, hopefully, hopefully you can find a new ingredient for that product and we'll see it on shelves in the future. Oh, I hope so, but and, it's really cool, but... And that actually brings up my last question for you, which is what is on the horizon for RMS Beauty? But then actually, I also want to ask Sidebar, what's on the horizon for you? What keeps you challenged and excited day to day? Um, well, I get challenges every day, so I don't know if they're exciting or not. Sometimes they are, and then something goes wrong. You're not excited for that moment, and you get back up. It's like a roller coaster. So there's always these emotions going on and back and forth. But... Um, I'm being motivated every day just because my staff is really motivated and they perk me up when, when you know, they have good news about something. And because um, I'm not in the office usually. I'm usually either on the road or I'm doing, road. you know, my part on the other end. And so I don't see a lot of them. Right. So that really makes me excited when I see that they're excited about something or a store we got in or a sale thing that happened. So I, I really am good. happy with that. I'm glad they're happy. Um, also... You know, like every day is a challenge. What can I say? Some days I'm a bitch. Some days I'm happy. It's it's all over the place. But you know, I just like to see the brand growing. I like to see more and more people actually embracing the green and the clean beauty industry. That makes me really mm-hmm. happy. You know, I just like to see people questioning what's out there. I think for too long we just you know had blinders on, say, oh, everything everything's safe, everything's safe. Yeah, it's safe to a degree, but you know, there's also a lot of stuff that's it's a little questionable that we need to really start yeah. thinking about. When people are getting like that with, you know, the packaging, they're getting like that with the environment. You know, it mm-hmm. all goes hand in hand. So mm-hmm. all of this awakening is actually really exciting to me to see that people are questioning what they're doing and what's being, you know, sold to them. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Oh. <laughs> Rosemary, this is so insightful. 
thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me about this and your journey and sharing advice. I feel so pumped up. I love hearing from you. So thank you. Thank oh, you're very, very welcome, you. sweetheart. Thank you so much for having me and, um, and asking great questions too. That was nice. <laughs> Thanks.